Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. This is Mary Carr. I'm reading from my new book, Lit, which just came out from HarperCollins to rather rapturous reviews. And uh, I really wrote this book after The Liars Club and Cherry to connect the dots between my fractious childhood and my drug-sodden adolescence as portrayed in Liars Club and Cherry. And I wanted to really show the path to healing that I took. One of the things I did was I met this big six-foot, five-inch preppy guy, Harvard hockey player who looked like something you went at a raffle. And uh, I was so smitten with him. I had no idea he was from this very horsey Long Island family or even what that meant coming from the little backwater I came from. The first time he took me to see his parents, we drove through these big wrought iron gates with gold fittings at the top, literally. And I said, as we passed the stables and the tennis courts, is this a subdivision? And he said, no, this is my house, which in some ways made him the perfect husband for me because the average well-bred American wasp can ignore reality better than most heroin addicts. Uh, Plus, they don't steal your televisions. So in this section, we're about to get married. And my seven times married mother, you know, you would think if you have a mother who's married seven times, you'll have a wedding planner on your side of the family. But my mother took the rehearsal dinner as her occasion to start drinking again after a hiatus off the sauce for a few years. So this is from Lit. The occasion for mother falling off the wagon is the afternoon of my rehearsal dinner at the Ritz in Boston, where my father-in-law-to-be has kept a tab since law school. Before the rehearsal dinner, I'm lying in a shampoo chair with my head in the black sink, neck arched upward in a perfect position to have my throat cut when I catch a distant whiff of marijuana. Mother, I think. With that single word, an unease comes shimmering into my solar plexus. I say to Richard, my stylist, do you smell that? What, he says, pot, I say. Lifting his nose, he gives a stuffed-up snuffle and says, allergies. It's dusk. I've warned Richard and his beautician colleague Curtis in advance not to offer Mother and me their usual convivial glass of wine. Reluctantly, I lie back down, but some engine of vigilance has been kick-started in my middle. At one point, I say Curtis wouldn't give Mother marijuana. Curtis can't afford marijuana, Richard said, adding, it's probably floating up from the alley. Not long after, Curtis swans in, giving off an odor of patchouli oil as he rifles a drawer. He says, your mom's a riot. I'm going to visit her in Texas. She knows a place I can buy ostrich-skin cowboy boots. I'm sure she does, I say. Sometime later, when Curtis presents her, I see he's jacked her hair up into a concoction only a drag queen could relish. Her eyes are glassy. Her neck has that bobble-headed swivel. Mother, I say. Don't I look precious, she says, hands on her hips. You look high. Do you think, Curtis says, she made me do it that high. 
Mother tips her head coquettishly, which, with a giant hairdo, has the effect of a topiary starting to topple over. She says, we smoked a little Mary Jane. Then we're in Warren's tiny back seat. As he navigates the river road traffic to the Ritz, I violently try to de-escalate Mother's hair. Why now, I say? Why did you have to start now? She's holding her ears as I tug. You reek of marijuana, I say. The city of Cambridge is sliding away behind us. At the boathouse, we pass somebody hauling a lone skull from the water. I apologize to Warren as I work at the vast rat's nest up her head. I don't smell anything, he says. With Warren, you can never know if this is impeccable denial or just politeness. I stop yanking at her hair and notice the buildings of Harvard, carved from various fine types of stone, slipping by like a kingdom I'll never gain the keys to. The whole city is so profoundly Caucasian. One of the city's signature food items is a slab-like whitefish devoid of all flavor. Even its basketball team is thick with knobby-jointed Midwestern white boys whose pasty torsos evoke the aforementioned fish. Mother tries to catch Warren's eye in the rear view, saying, Warren, do you think I look bad? His eyes are fixed on the lights of Boston. You got in the back so quick I couldn't see you. Master of diplomacy, I say. A compliment, this is. Warren, can you hand me my purse, she says. I'll find the Shalimar. Maybe we can stop and buy some Visine, I say, and some mouthwash. It'll make us late, he says. Warren pulls up outside a bodega and leaves us in the huffing car. Seeing his runner's form and the unfamiliar structure of a suit brings a surge of ardor. Soon as he's out of sight, Mother says, Harold and I share a glass of wine every now and then when we go out dancing. Harold being the somewhat prissy young man of color hired to help care for Daddy. The thought of Harold and Mother dancing together gives me a sick feeling in my chest. I look toward the door Warren disappeared through. Warren gets back in the car, handing me a small paper bag over his shoulder. I fish through it for eye drops. Mother has her Shalimar out and is studying the cap for where the nozzle is. I tell her, they'll be unfailingly polite, they always are. She squirts behind her ear, and the scent of rose adder touches some reptilian area of my brain, where lies whatever faint recollection of beauty I have. Warren, she says, you know what they say a mother-in-law's job is at a wedding? I don't, he says, pushing his glasses up his nose. Just shut up and wear beige, she says. He actually snorts at the prospect. Mother takes my hand in her scented one. My heart was thumping so bad in my chest, she says, I was scared to take another Valium in case there was a toast or something because I'd fall into my plate. I take no comfort in sharing anxiety with my once towering, powerful mother, for any ways that we favor each other feel distinctly unbridled. I show her my throat, adding, make me smell like you. Then we draw up into the gilded light of the Ritz, and the doorman helps me out. Immediately I start drinking. But drinking, to handle the angst of mother's drinking caused by her own angst, mean our twin dipsomanias face off like a pair of mirrors, one generation offloading misery to the other through dwindling generations, back through history to when humans first fermented grapes. 
The next thing I know, my sister Lisa is grabbing my arm as we stride up the stairs, saying, What is she on? Then we're seated at enormous tables, draped with enough linen to clothe the convent. Ultimately, though, it doesn't matter that my mother-in-law sobs through much of the meal, not, I'm guessing, from joy. Nor does it matter that Warren's brother Dev says, with genuine puzzlement as we head down the grand staircase, she was crying, I didn't notice, and I think, how do these people do this stuff? Nor does it matter that Mother offered to paint Mr. Whitbread in the nude and, quote, fix anything you need fixed, close quote. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, visit kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.